0: Political Thoughts with Steve is brought to you by Anchor. Go to anchor.fm today to start your free podcast or download the Anchor app from all major app stores. And welcome to this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. I'm your host, Stephen Murphy. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all of my political nerds out there in podcast world. Hope everyone is having a great week. So, kind of change of plans. Normally, we do like a segmented show every single week, except for the last week, because we had a special guest. But guess what? We have a special (laughs) guest on this week. And let me tell you, I have been excited for like the last Two and a half weeks since her and I were conversing about this idea. So, without further ado, let me introduce my awesome pod sister. She is amazing. I freaking love her and her partner in crime, Debbie Joe. Welcome, non mom happy hour, co-host and author of Skin in the Game, The Stories My Tattoos Tell, Kelly Nerdzilla Hall. Welcome to the show, Kelly.
1: Hi. <laughs> That's that was such a big intro. I'm I'm still getting used to being introduced as an author.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it takes a second, but you know what? I don't think we ever get I don't think we ever get used to the stuff no. that we're doing right now. <laughs>
1: No, like, it's crazy to think about, you know, two years ago, I was a struggling nonprofit professional with a relatively ordinary and normal life. And two years later, I have been through hell and back with my health and lost my mobility, regained my mobility. and have had surgery and turned into a cyborg and in the midst of all that wrote a book (laughs) and started a podcast and my life now is completely different than anything I ever imagined uh but in all in in mostly good ways I mean I wouldn't necessarily recommend going out and having your spine implode but uh
0: I'm telling you Kelly you are a fucking superwoman. <laughs> my,
1: my trainer Jacob calls me his real life comeback kid. He's like he's like you're right. my real life comeback kid cuz even when I started working with him about a year ago, we just we just had like our or we're just about to have our 1 year anniversary of when we started working together. And he's certified in rehabilitative training. And So, you know, he says that to me all the time that I'm his real life comeback kid because even when I had started working with him, I had regained my ability to walk at that point. But my muscles were so weak that if I tried to walk around the block or walk any distance, like to go to the grocery store or anything, my muscles... My skeleton couldn't be held in place because my muscles were so atrophied. So my pelvis would tilt and it would throw my hips out of place. And if this sounds painful, guys, it's because it is. (laughs) So, so.
0: (laughs) It is the prelude to becoming a cyborg. So, uh,
1: you know, and to go from that, you know, the first four or five weeks or three or four weeks that I worked with him everything that we did was on the floor and it was all like me doing Superman poses and stuff to like rebuild my core muscles and my hip flexors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And from that, now when I'm working with them, I can like sprint and lift weights and. Uh...
0: See, look, at, look how far <laughs> you have just, you came, you know, cause like, when you and I became friends with Debbie Joe and you were telling me, you know what you were going yeah. with her, I was like, Holy shit. You know, I-, I thought I've heard it all from all my friends. And then, you know, I, yeah. met you, I was like, Holy shit, this is a new <laughs> one. And, you know, you came from, you know, just so much, you know, painful shit that was going on to now it's like, you're fucking feel miracle, like, you it. know, and especially you become a cyborg woman. Which you know all my listeners who are comic book fans, you know <laughs> y'all should write a comic book about this old fucking cyborg I know woman, I have a quote on one. my uh
1: on my website, I have a quote from my tattoo artist, Jason in Nashville uh he did the tattoo I have of my dog Rosebud, and when he posted the picture of the tattoo the day he did it, he wrote as a caption uh. Kelly is a fucking superhero, and I'm proud to be part of her origin story. And
0: I'm telling you, you I said, are, dude. "Can I put you that on my website as a superhero. quote?" And
1: he said, "Hell yeah, you can." <laughs> so, uh, so I did, but and forgive <laughs> me, guys. Uh, I'm a Yankee, and I grew up in the frigid tundra in Michigan where there are like two species of trees and hay fever is about the worst we have to worry about. And, and now I live in
0: the middle now she's a migrant of to the south. like,
1: oh, I don't even know how many hundreds of species of flora and fauna down here, but I'm allergic to every fucking one of them. So.
0: <clears throat> I'm telling you, you should just come down here for like three or four oh. days Make that six hour drive down here and experience my world for like three days. I mean, you know, we got the beaches and everything down here, but for some odd reason, people get pissed about oak trees down here because it's like, don't cut down the oaks. I'm like, look, Mobile wasn't like the origin (laughs) of oak trees. We're a subtropical climate. So y'all just need to chill the hell out and go enjoy your pine trees because Mm. that's what you have down here. Those well, and those azalea bushes.
1: I mean, I love, we love our the azalea beauty bushes down here. of all of the different plants and flowers, but I'll be damned if they're not trying to kill me. And I have allergic asthma. So I was telling Steve before we started recording, if I don't drink mm. hot tea for more than 10 minutes at a time, my voice leaves my body. So I'm sorry that y'all have to hear me sounding a little bit shaky and and gross tonight, but I didn't I didn't want to
0: reschedule no you're fine you're fine so Kelly you are the co-host of a non-mom happy hour and I don't think it's a secret to all of my listeners to all of my political nerds that I'm a huge fan of your show in fact I listen to it every single Monday it has become a ritual and especially <laughs> when y'all kind of throw some politics in there I'm like oh oh ooh, ooh, ooh. Lord, Man, I wish I was on, on that, that show this week, you know? And um, so tell, tell the political, I, I have, and I'm telling you, after being on your show, it was a huge blessing for me because all of a sudden everyone, well, good. you know, started flocking to my show also. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And, you know, like my, my first interview, I was like, you know, really nervous, <laughs> but after like five minutes of talking to you and Bobby Joe, I mean, uh, Debbie I'm jo, sure she will. <laughs> yeah. I hope she listens to this week, so she could get her laugh in. But um, but after yeah, no, like it's, five, it's ten minutes on your show, I was like, okay, this isn't that bad. Um, so, okay, so um, so tell the listeners out if there, you haven't what heard of us a non mom, happy hours. We all about.
1: are the podcast that celebrates real ass human women. Whether they use their baby box or not, <laughs> so <laughs> the VJJ, uh we the vajayjay.
0: basically Debbie
1: Joe and I are both not moms, <laughs> and we both work in network marketing and influence uh marketing uh we're both very active on social media you know i'm I'm a blogger and an author. We come. We also both come from backgrounds working in nonprofit and social work. So, what happened was we started seeing that there was like all these spaces for moms, and it was all like mompreneurs and mom boss and and mom this and mom that, and there wasn't really a space. <laughs> There wasn't really a space like we love moms, but there wasn't a space for those of us who weren't moms. And it's like we would be attending these seminars or trainings or workshops or whatever that we had paid for. And we'd be like really digging whatever the person was saying. And then all of a sudden we'd be like, yeah, we we can relate to this. We, you know, we we get this. And then all of a sudden it would flip back into that mom space. And then. We would be on the outside of it, and everybody else would be conversing about mom life and and we were like, you know there's there's way more to being a woman than just whether or not you have mm-hmm. kids and we both kind of saw that we, you know we both have friends who are moms who feel like they lose themselves to being a mom, and they're always trying to figure out how do i how do I keep track of myself and my own identity?" inside of being a mom and a wife and, you know, a professional doing whatever. So we, it started as a joke. I started calling us the two non-moms because it sounded like the band, uh, four non-blondes to me. And it started as a joke (laughs) and we started doing like Facebook live a weekly mm-hmm. Facebook live series together where we would talk about marketing and mindset and all these different things. And people kept saying you guys need to have a podcast. And so that so so we were like, "All right, let's do this." And what it has turned into is this space where we can talk safely and be a safe space and and uh create community around the what we think is the innate badassery that comes with being a woman and surviving. And we're a safe space to talk about trauma and PTSD, um, sexual abuse or domestic violence, mental health, disordered eating. Mm -hmm. But, and you wouldn't think that like you could have fun with those things, but, but we do, we're very sassy. And, and, And we make people laugh a lot And we make ourselves laugh a lot
0: We do (laughs) And and y'all have sailor mouths So being You know being a former sailor And especially when I started getting to this You know it was more of a hobby And now it's basically become like a Weekly depending on the week Because sometimes I get so busy during the week I'm like oh shit I forgot to record last week But now it's become like a like a routine now where are you you Yeah. If i don't record in a week i've got people like like messaging me on twitter like dude (laughs) where's your new shit at
1: where are you you back buddy
0: (laughs) and then i have you like texting me like all right steve i'm waiting for your new shit to come out what's going on you know and yeah right i've been around you know i've been around I think uh, last week well, was Well, that's just, the tough thing you know, about we being waiting in, for that in politics, to hit. right? So, and like, right, and, and in political now, journalism. I mean, you're a I podcast,
1: wait? but you're basically a political journalist because you and and I think this is why people flock to your show when you were on our show. It's because you're a yeah. real ass person and you're very down to earth. You're an ally to underrepresented populations and to women. And to I um, and trauma survivor, I mean you're just you're an ally in so many different ways, and you're also a real fucking person. And so when you're talking about the things that are going on in the political landscape, you make it easy to understand and follow. And I think that's why people are drawn mm-hmm. to your show, and that's why I enjoy it because we need somebody to be communicating to people in a way that they can fucking understand the shitstorm that is American politics.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like when I was going through my sci classes, you know, I I had a good idea because, you know, I was, you know, ever since the 2000 <laughs> election between Bush and Gore, I you know, like 11 year old me or 2000 hell. I don't know. I can't do math right now, but <laughs> young Steven was like glued to the television. I'm like, Holy shit, this is cool. And of course, you know, my grandparents were alive. So, you know, they were nagging at each other because my grandmother was a Democrat. My grandfather was a Republican. I don't know how that show ever worked out. Um, but you know, I got so immersed in it. So, you know, when I went to college, when I went to college for my undergrad, and became a sign major i had like a you know just a little right. bit you know of that you know foreknowledge or a little bit of that knowledge to where i know what you're talking about but and like with this show now like we've changed up a couple of our segments because people would you know message right. us and they're like we wish that you would kind of cover you know you know explain some stuff to us so now it's like all right we're going to do poly talk we're going to you know pick you know different things that you may not know about like what's the difference between socialism and capitalism or socialism and democratic socialism and we're going right. to talk about that we're going to educate you so when you start hearing the bullshit that comes out yeah of the and that's media, the thing is you're like i mean so minute.
1: much of american <laughs> now politics i know the
0: difference and they're just it, right? you know spewing their so bullshit you know
1: it it really is like that show scandal it really is that level of like who can spin it in a favorable way,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was actually talking to my mom last week. I was like, you know what? I could probably become like a real life Olivia Pope. I am just good at problem solving, especially when it comes to politics. Like I'll right. be watching the news. I'm like, look, <laughs> if I was that guy's friend or if i I was that guy's advisor i would tell him to do this differently and probably not get him into as much trouble as he's in you know (laughs) but then again i have common sense so and that's the problem with politics is i swear to god most politicians do not have common sense at all um (laughs) everybody you have the lucky few you know these millennials you know us You know, we're finally doing some shit and it's pissing off, you know, people like, you know, that have been in that establishment for so long, you know, like um, AOC. I'm a huge fan of AOC. In fact, I donated to her campaign. I live in Alabama. She was running in Brooklyn. I was like, oh, shit, I am putting money towards her because I really liked what she stood for. And she got into Congress. Well, yeah. And all of a sudden...
1: And you know, you have like you Nancy beeping, Pelosi, part of that oldest like, well, you need to chill clicks. out. She's like,
0: well, "Fuck <laughs> off!" I'm not going to chill out.
1: <laughs> I'm cranking up the cyber spine. <laughs> I I keep forgetting to turn the uh, uh-huh. the noise off. She's on doing her cyborg but, thing. Uh, yeah, the womanator, the is old doing guard. her thing now. It's, that, it's it's that old guard, and they feel very protective of their space, and they should because it's being invaded quite frankly by grassroots people <clears throat> people like you and I i mean i i've been dying to have this conversation with you cuz mm-hmm. i want to know what your feelings on Cory Booker are
0: yeah oh the um yeah well So when he announced, at first, you know, I've seen him on a couple of videos because I'm that nerd who would watch C-SPAN or watch C-SPAN 2 and watch the hearings. and, Or believe it or not, most people now are getting away from the news and going to satire news like The Daily Show or This Week with John Oliver because they feel that, you know, these shows are connecting more to them. In fact, it was cool because when I was going through my undergraduate degree, we actually had, like a, like a lecture on that. You know how popular satire news is getting because people are just so pissed off at you know the regular news, and so I'm watching Cory Booker, and I don't like him. It's not because of, it's not because he's still part of that old guard because I really think he is. Um, it's yeah, just he does not have that much to back it up he's kind of like trying to be the next Obama and I don't think you can be the next Obama Obama was the one and only I think that you know you're going to have someone younger and fresher maybe like Beto or there's this other guy that's running and I cannot think of his name Um, I saw him actually on the view I think a couple of days ago and he's really young he's you know, maybe early 40s. Um, he's one of the first gay <laughs> governors. Ugh. Um, you know, he he's a I won't call him a progressive because I'm trying to figure out what we're trying to progress to. <laughs> I think he is more of a like a new like a millennial right. or a maybe a Gen Y or Gen X Democrat. Right. I don't think he's actually, you know, a liberal, um, because he was all about capitalism. And right now, our generation is all about no, 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 no. We, we want democratic socialism, and because we like Bernie and we like AOC and we like, you know, all these new fresh faces that's coming to Congress now. Um, but with Cory Booker, you know, I research a lot of the candidates and. He is funded by a lot of super PACs, and that is a red flag for me because that tells me that he's not really voicing for the people he represents. He's also voicing Mm. for the organizations that have paid money into
1: him. As grassroots as you can get. He ran for office in Newark, New Jersey. He has, no, I don't know whose dog that is. Is that on your end? Yeah. Yeah, it's not. No, we have a borrowed dog, but he doesn't make much noise. (laughs) Is that the new dog? Uh, but um, no, it that might be my dog. What I I loved about Booker at the house right now. And this is this is my nerd coming out. So you know, I went. I went for my undergrad in political science, and then I did a master's in public admin. So I remember laying around like. I I think it was I think it was during either yeah. right before I started grad school or during grad school late at night. I come across this documentary series on HBO about this guy who ran for mayor of Newark, New Jersey, up against the old guard and and the, the crime bosses and won. And I'm like, well, what is this? So I watched it and I mean, they tried everything that they could because the crime bosses, they had control for a long time and he went, you know, his life was threatened. They burned down his campaign trailer. I mean, just all kinds of shit, but he stuck it out and he won. And then he, you know, he started climbing up the ranks, you know, but what he reminded me of was Oscar Romero, the priest that lived in El Salvador Mm -hmm. during the Salvadoran revolution. And so, and, and if you don't know about Oscar Romero or his story, it really is worth learning a little bit. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, the way that Oscar Romero lived among his people That's what Cory Booker reminded me of. Cory Booker was living in the fucking projects with his constituents, helping pull families from burning, from fires, from house fires in the projects. He was, he lived among his people and he represented and served his people. I think that changed when he got to Washington. And that's what bums me out is that I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. have that, that like connection to him that I used to have of that like revolutionary
0: mm-hmm. Well like two years ago I had like a I just I just really noticed him and I really started just paying attention and it's just something about him just started really rubbing the wrong way especially you know Only
2: everyone that I talk started. to even
0: republicans now are talking you know we we would love universal health care he was totally against universal health care he thought that you know the the market's is going to work itself out which i don't believe in the markets i think that when it comes to health care you know all they're gonna do is continue to raise premiums higher and higher and higher because you know when obama when Obamacare was passed there was no there was no um cut off on how much an insurance company can can um charge you for monthly premiums that that's what I did not like about Obamacare that was one of the two things right that you know I've always voiced my concerns about Obamacare was you didn't put the payoff or you didn't put that pay cap on how much premiums can um, or how much insurance companies can charge you. Yeah. And, you know, the insurance requirement or, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be um, when you file your taxes, you know, you got to, you're going to be penalized for it. That was the right. only two things about Obamacare I did not like, but you know, when it comes to healthcare you know, Corey yeah. is you know all about the markets, and I'm like, all right. So you're probably bought by well, the, and um, also I was pissed off at him also. for not having Bernie's um, back. It's just he, and he does not. He just election, doesn't do it for me. The Democratic like, Party. Never all these new ideas that you know our generation is ever coming up with. He's like, because nah. she wasn't <laughs> no, going to win.
1: She was never going to win. I don't give a fuck. Come at me with your I'm still with Hillary shit. I don't care. I grew up in Flint, Michigan. Okay? Which means I grew up in what the world looked like after the Clintons pushed NAFTA through. I knew that no one... I knew that Michigan wasn't going to vote for Hillary Clinton. And they fucking didn't. And that's why. Because we... Suffered The consequences of so many things, but especially NAFTA on and, and that so just that political issue alone, but then when you like, as a, like, as a feminist or a person who is an ally to sexual trauma survivors, mm-hmm. and a person like myself, Who is a sexual trauma survivor? How do you support Hillary? Like, and it took everything I had in me to vote for her. And I only voted for her because I was too afraid of what. Yeah, because I was too afraid of what he was going to do. Yeah. But she never should have been the candidate. She never should have been the candidate.
0: Or you were voting for her so you can vote against Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I voted in 2016. I was, you know, I was all about Bernie. She's, well, I don't think she, I think anyone could be a candidate, but I don't think that she should have been the nominee. I think that was completely taken from Bernie from the very beginning. You know, my son is a wrestling fan. He loves wrestling, which... When I was his age, I was the same way. And he loved Roman Reigns. And I was like, you know what? This guy who is, you know, back in wrestling, you had like a face, the good guy, the heel, the bad guy. They, you know, beat the hell out of each other. And, you know, Roman was actually a face. He was a good guy, but he was, you know, booed all the time. It's because the company was just forcing him down the fans' throat to the point where they just did not want him anymore. And I was like, you know what, this is 2016 This is Hillary being Forced down our throats from the very Beginning <laughs> that she announced All the way to it's the okay. primaries And of my dog even barking, so. you know, After the leaks came through on WikiLeaks that You know, the DNC was plugging against Bernie Sanders um, Oh yeah, me too You know, all of a sudden It's like, see I have dogs all over the house Right now, they're going fucking crazy right now Um <laughs> I've got three yeah. here, so but yeah, it's like all right, I was pissed. I was really pissed to the point where you know I was still kind of saying, you know what, Hillary could get it, but when I started talking to people in our voting demographic, they're like, nah, fuck it. We're just not gonna go to the polls that day. Dude. Yeah, she won by a popular vote, but when you start I reading, didn't the even actual trust results the American of the polling government data. At the time millennials did not show that Obama up was for elected. Her, you gotta understand millennials and genetics. Where I was coming from Obama, you know, I had just returned earlier. from a human rights study in El Salvador. We did not trust Hillary Clinton.
1: will tell you why Oscar Ramiro is so important to me. Latin America was my favorite region of study. Latin American politics, history, political revolutions, all that shit. I eat it. Up like breakfast. I love it. Uh, so I. <laughs> so I had. I had come back from El Salvador. Which was this life changing. Experience. Right. And I didn't trust. Our government for shit. I was in my 20s. My early 20s. She's one of I us, had everybody. seen She's enough nerd. from the time. I was a child. Not to trust anybody. I started protesting and shaving peace signs in the back of my head when I was in like second or third grade. I got my first pair of combat boots at Payless when I was nine, and I used to get peace signs shaved in the back of my head during the first Gulf War. That's just who I, it's always who I've been, right? I've always had this really strong and intense, innate feeling of what is right and what is wrong. So I've always had issues with our system. Since I was a small child. And a lot of that has to do with my oldest sister because she's nine years older than me. And she brought me into that and she taught me a lot, you know, and she would take me to political demonstrations and stuff. So when Obama was running for president, Mm -hmm. at that time I had very little trust for the government in general and for our system. And I had just experienced this trip where I went and fell in love with this place and these people. And I saw how our foreign policy was impacting their natural resources and their health care and their right to liberty and life and health. And I saw firsthand all the ways in which we were violating their human rights according to the Charter of the United Nations. Now, of course, we are Officially, Mm -hmm. not part of the United Nations anymore I don't think, no, I think Trump pulled us out entirely
0: (sighs) Pretty much We might be on paper, but which no, destroyed no, the American I know that he's trying, I don't think he pulled us out of the UN I know that he <laughs> has Pulled us out of NAFTA now But like which, you So know, when NAFTA Obama was this running big for thing president that, I remember you know, I was in Clinton El Salvador And I had these people you know, trading Talking to me through interpreters like and, Asking me um, who I
1: was going to vote for And I'd say oh I'm voting for Obama And, right, and they would get like exactly tears in their eyes did. And they would be like See, even They would Democrats say how afraid they were if Obama didn't get elected because they were afraid that it was just going to get worse and worse for them because they're not idiots. They know that the United States carries a lot of control over what life is like there. They know that, that we impact their domestic policy with our fucking neo-colonialism bullshit. Now I'm getting, now I'm getting heated. So, So they were like, they would have tears in their eyes and they'd be like, please go home and tell our story. Please. They never ask for shit. We're talking about people who live on an on a dollar a day. They're lucky if they can eat 600 calories in a day.
0: They're Here living in you know huts with
1: dirt floors, <laughs> but they're giving us their beds to sleep in and they're not asking us for anything except please go home and tell our story. So I had a lot of reasons to to be turned off by America at this point, you know, but even my cynical ass cried when Obama got elected. I cried fucking tears. I was bawling because I was like, we finally got to a point where we mm-hmm. can elect a black man. Oh, wow.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, right. Well, I was in the military in 2009. In fact, the, the day we elected Obama, I was welcoming Caden into the world. And you know, I, I always said, you know, he has the coolest birthday ever because the day he was born was the day that we elected Barack Obama into his first term. And, you know, it's actually kind of easy to always remember his birthday because election day is around his birthday. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was I was all about Obama. Um, I liked, you know, being let's say it was 2008, 2009. So I was in the military for about a year, almost two years when Obama became president. Um, you know, we were there was a lot of fighting in Iraq going on and in Afghanistan. Um You know, God rest his soul. Senator McCain was, you know, talking about, you know, how he wanted to stay. Yeah. I was all about, you know, it's time to start leaving because, you know, this is going to become another Vietnam. This is quickly becoming another Vietnam. And Obama was talking about that. Obama was talking about getting us out. And, you know, from that moment on, I was like, you know what? This is my guy. He is. He is my guy. So. You know, I'd go around the boat or around the ship and, you know, ask, you know, all of my brothers and sisters, you know, what do you think about Obama now? You know, it was always a 50-50 with them. And that's expected in the military community because, you know, we get so used to one commander in chief. It's kind of like, you know, kind of skittish about another one because we don't know how this guy is going to be when he becomes our commander in chief. And when he was elected that night, And I'll I'll always remember this. I was holding Caden and my ex-wife was sleeping and we were watching TV. And, you know, that I was watching, I think I was watching CNN and, you know, they, you know, flashed the, the graphic, you know. Obama elected well, he was president. A,
1: he was a real ass. I person. At He drank I like, beer. He hung out with Anthony Bourdain right and when ate cheap food. You know and what I'm saying? Like
0: for those eight years under Obama, like I was really not. I was just a fan of him. It was just something about him that yeah. I was like, you know what? I he like made him. Not and I'm not
1: because I'm still of the historical off about factors. Some stuff like Guantanamo. Yeah, I'm you, know, but yeah. yeah. He didn't have a lot to work with. Because the Congress was
0: not about letting yeah, Obama get it done. He was it a good done. guy. And, you know, when after I. Yeah.
1: One of my favorite things. Well, fuck
0: Mitch McConnell. But
1: yeah. But. What yeah, of my, Mitch
0: McConnell was hell bent on stopping my Obama from getting a second Obama. term I remember him saying that. And, and um, it, this, any is, kind I of, can relate um, to it, right?
1: Because any kind I of come Mitch from would hold a tough ass place to be from. I mean, I really not started easy hating Mitch to be McConnell. from Flint, Michigan. When you tell people, fuck you're from Senator Flint, Turtle Michigan, with a passion, they immediately either underestimate you or act fearful of you it's it's a very strange because all you know is is the the grit and the grime and and you know the Michael Moore documentaries and the Netflix series and now flint town i will say broke my heart because of how r- real and true it felt to to what's really happening in flint uh but so so i like deep down right i'm I'm this girl from the hood. Okay. And and I've got I've got some street in me. Like I have on more than one occasion and and my friend Whitey, do you know the band Whitey Morgan in the seventy-eights? Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Whitey's from Flint. And me and Whitey are friends. She is Jimmy so from the block. Whitey and I have talked about <laughs> This before, and I always laugh when I think about it. If you're from Flint and if you haven't uttered the words at least one time, I'm from Flint, motherfucker, I will kill you. You haven't really lived yeah. in Flint. Yes, I did. And <laughs> <clears throat> and so like yeah. there's that part of me, right? But then there's also the part of me that rose above all that and above The adversities that I experienced in adolescence, the sexual trauma, the domestic violence, all of all of those different things that I talk (laughs) about in my book. And I, I rose above all of that and got, you know, first my college degree and then my master's degree. I'm the only person in my family with a master's degree. Not that it's doing me a lot of good now. (laughs) You'll be the first. Oh, snap. God, I hate yeah. when they do that.
0: I think um, <sighs> when I get mine. I feel you. At the beginning of August. That's funny. I thought I was going to graduate. In, yeah, I thought I was going to graduate in May until I found out today. I was like, well... And they were like, "Well, you got another class that starts July third. That's your final one." I'm yeah. like, "Son of a bitch!" Because I've been going for six straight years without a you know without a break, and you know, well, I actually, so, I work with my mom now. So
1: one of my favorite things about my mom today, I'm like, "Dude, I am got that so same kind of background. Michelle right?
0: out on school. And Michelle this does is why too. I'm taking Michelle a long too. year off before <laughs> I even think of yeah." I I'm Dude, like I am. I, I am taking a I long year Sit down year in a room and think hang out with think Michelle about Obama. My I would like, a happy
1: woman. I would love like, to hang out, have a drink, as they say, sit crooked and talk straight with Michelle Obama for yeah. an hour. Yeah, he. Um, but so like so, I I oh, have I love this me hood some Michelle Obama, and then now. I have like this like highly educated, professional, me right. All right, and what I loved. About Obama was that every once in a while, you'd see that streak come out. (laughs) Like when somebody would say something to him and they'd be talking shit at a press conference and and he'd go, oh, I won twice. Remember that? You know, like that type of shit. That's what I loved about Obama. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 So... That's what I loved about Obama
0: Yeah Or at, at least I am A president, mic drop I think that's when Trump Was talking shit, when he was running Yeah
1: No, the last person you saw that with was Clinton When he played saxophone he, on MTV
0: Yeah, his um, You know, his overall attitude And, you know he would come on Ellen, you know. He would dance on Ellen, or Michelle would come on Ellen, dance with Ellen. You know, you didn't see that with, you know, yeah. previous yeah. presidents, especially Bush. Yeah, yeah. When he played on um our Hall, and that's pretty much what almost pretty much got him elected. Yeah, I've seen those in moment, the two thousands because Eminem's um, you know, on the young voters was like, huh? He plays music. He's one of us and you know go watch um on Netflix right now there is um the 90s is on Netflix right now they actually have the 60s 70s 80s 90s and 2000s and you know yeah i was watching the 90s last night and it got to the part where you know they're talking about politics in the 90s and you know clinton doing his thing and i think it was actually arsenio hall himself saying you know what what really put bill clinton on the map was the night he came on that show, he picked up that saxophone and started playing Elvis Presley. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, you know what? This motherfucker is one of us now. So we're going to go vote for him. And yeah, I mean, you know, you look at Obama, you know, he was young, vibrant. His speech in 04 is what, you know, made him a household name. And just with his ideas, that's what attracted me. Um so Uh, kinda changing subject. Um Yeah. Right now, you know election season is pretty much in full swing right now. Um that I think right now the Democrats have like nineteen thousand people running for president. I think it's gonna become exactly what it did in twenty sixteen, how it was with the Republicans. I was you know, there was like fifteen people running against Trump um, Here's
1: what I care who, about
0: right now. Who excites you right now? Because that's easier as far to answer. as the Democrat candidates. Because right now it's
1: hard to answer. There's no Republicans running I was, right now,
0: which you know that was balls normal. To the wall, whenever you know you had the party leader, and you know, I, running for reelection. His his but presidential you, campaign was the who, first who's presidential attracting campaign I ever contributed on to. the Democratic And I contributed
1: right to it more than once. And it and it broke my heart when when he didn't when when he wasn't chosen uh as the democratic nominee and i felt so defeated and i have this argument with people cuz people are like bernie's old i'm like he's not that fucking old not co- he's not what is he yeah, 2 years older than trump's orange ass like i mean he's not in the ske- in the grand scheme of things in the in the year 2019 he's not that old like <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like that's the main argument, or one of them. Yeah, he's not that old. And, you know, I tell everyone when we have this discussion about Bernie Sanders, I'm like, if it wasn't thanks for Bernie Sanders. 2015, 2016, talking about universal health care, talking about raising the minimum wage, talking about, you know, Ending for-profit colleges and, you know, making it, you know, zero, you know, you don't have to pay nothing to go to, you know, state-run colleges. If it wasn't, thanks for that guy, you would not have AOC. You would not have these new Democrats that have came in. You wouldn't have that movement. He is right. because that's it's because the of him so, that we have all these fresh Bernie voices in Congress now. He focuses on all of the things that I care about. It's his exact platform. I care from 2015 about women's rights to their own reproductive AOC health the and their own reproductive system. You know, minimum wage needs I came to came out in publicly New York on my podcast like, about my own of abortion
1: at the age of twenty eight. I write about it in my book. It scares the shit out of me that there are people out there who want me who will want me dead when they find out that that I've had an abortion. There are people in my own family who I don't know if they'll still speak to me once they know. But I felt like I had to tell that story because we have to end this stigma and this idea that only horrible like Terrible, evil people get abortions, right? The fact of it is one in three women make their their choice on whether or not to have a baby and have an abortion. One in three women have an abortion. If you know more than two women in your life, you're guaranteed to know at least one that's had an abortion bottom fucking line yeah. I know what the world looked like before. Birth control was accessible before places like Planned Parenthood existed. You know, Debbie Joe and I talked about that on, I think it was our 20th episode. We talked about the history of birth control and the woman behind the movement. So I care about those things because it illegalizing. Abortion is not going to stop it. it's only going to cause more people to die and and that's the bottom line. so so I care a lot about that. I care a lot about women's reproductive health and and our right to choose and our right to access specifically women's health care, which Planned Parenthood allows many women who live in poverty and myself included, there were times um, that I lived in poverty that I had to access services where they provide birth control. They provide pap smears. They provide breast exams, all these things. I very much, it's, it's important to me to protect those things. I also care about healthcare because I am a person who dedicated my entire life to trying to serve my community At large and the community that I directly lived in, Mm -hmm. I spent my entire adult life trying to save the world by helping take care of young people. And and I worked in nonprofit knowing that I was never going to get rich, but I damn near killed myself doing it. Mm -hmm. I ran myself into the ground. I broke my own body into pieces, and then they all, everybody stood back and said, oh, not our problem. The government, the state, the state government, the federal government, the private insurance companies for which I paid for long-term disability benefits, my previous employer, nobody wants to say, oh, we'll take care of her now. She, she's, she dedicated her whole life to try and take care of other people. We'll take yep. care of her now. I care about healthcare because like right now, I, you hear how sick I've been all week. You know, I told you I've been taking Mucinex. I'm using my inhaler. I'm taking three kinds of antihistamines, all this shit. I called today because I used to get allergy injections just to give you like a little window into yep. what I deal with. I used to get allergy injections to help with my immune system and help because I was chronically Mm -hmm. sick from my allergies. When I became immobile and couldn't walk, I stopped getting injections because there's only so much you can focus on at one time, right? So being so sick, I thought, well, I'll call because... Back in the day when I was getting my injections, I had Blue Cross Blue Shield through my employer, and they considered allergy injections to be preventative health care. So I didn't pay a copay on them. Okay. Yeah. So now yeah. I have Blue Cross Blue Shield, but it's through the health care marketplace in Tennessee. They're the only insurance provider in Tennessee that's in the health care marketplace. Right. So I call I call my allergist immunologist office and I say, you know, I stopped coming in in 2017 when I lost my mobility, but I have my mobility back and I'm sick and I'm wondering yeah. what it might look like it's the same thing to try and in come Alabama in and, and, you know, and start getting seen again and get South Alabama. my injections again. She said, well, do you know what your deductible is? for for your insurance now keep in mind I have to pay out of pocket even though I have no income technically by the time you take out all my tax credits and deductions I have no income I pay $370 a month for my insurance so she said how much is your deductible and I said well it says right here in front of me that my deductible is $5,600 a year and she's like have you met that yet and I said no and she said, well, they won't start covering your allergy and immunology uh, care until you meet your deductible. And I said, well, what would it look like if I paid out of pocket? And she said, well, we would have to rerun all the original tests that we did on you, which is anywhere from 750 to $1,500. Well, I already know it's going to be fifteen hundred dollars because I was allergic to seventy two things.
0: <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yeah. That is crazy. You know, um, Now, right now, since, you know, we're talking about healthcare and, you know, I think it was when I was on your and uh, Debbie Joe's show, you know, I was talking about, you know, my mom who is, you know, battling her third bout with breast cancer right now. And, you know, the, the million dollar question with all my friends is, so Steve, when are you going to run? When are you going to run, dude? And I think it goes back to high school when, you know, I used to joke around saying, look, you're looking at the future president here. And now, you know, all of those old friends are, you know, now on Facebook and they're like, so when are you going to run? And, you know, I told my mom, I was like, I'm getting so pissed off right now because yesterday, you know, the reports came out that, you know, Medicaid was getting cut again. Medicare was getting cut again. They're trying to get rid of the ACA again. And I'm like, you are going, if they get rid of the ACA, you are going to lose your health care coverage because with you having cancer, the insurance companies will view you as a huge liability. So they're just going to, you know, say, fuck it. Good luck, you know, sp- you know, spending $20,000 on a pill for your chemotherapy. And I was like, you know, it's getting to the point where I'm getting so pissed off now that I'm about, To say, you know what, fuck it, I'm running. I'm done waiting. I have found, you know, that that spark. I'm going to go run because I'm sick and tired of watching, you know, friends and family who are, you know, going and you know, also including you, who are going through so much shit with their health. Y'all are scared because Congress keeps threatening you know, we're going to cut the ACA or we're going to do defund, you know, all these programs like Medicaid and Medicare, you know, I've got a, you know, one living grandmother right now, she is on Medicaid and Medicare and she still pays out of pocket. I'm like, what the fuck, you know, it, it just befuddles me, you know, and I'm very passionate when it comes, you know, through healthcare because, you know, I'm seeing it with you know, I saw it with my grandmother, who you know we lost her in 2015. You know, she was more worried about her premiums than beating lung cancer. Um, you know, I've seen it through you know other well, old people. Well, I think that I've would be great because mom, we need more
1: people I, who know, do know seen what it it's like. it my grandmother
0: who is still alive right now to and
1: battle the healthcare system. You
0: know that, that fighting, I mean it's just lighting I, me in.
1: I can't even and tell you. I, I called it. It's kind of like Star Wars. i feeling the pull. Me, I
0: had to write up a The
1: Force is pulling me again. And, and I can't remember so what the exactly. million dollar answer is. I said is, something about. I'm probably going <laughs> to can, If my book can soon. help <laughs> one person survive the demented carousel that is the American healthcare system, then it will have done its job. <laughs> i know that flew by sorry about that <clears throat>
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah i know so, speaking and of we're book, gonna me and um, debbie are, let's debbie talk about Joe your performing because live. you know we got so
0: immersed in political nerd talk um <laughs> I was like, you know, we have to talk about her. It's cool. It's cool. I was like, you know, we we have to talk about her book. Because when you announced this book, I became so excited for you. And, you know, you and I are finally going to meet at Pod X (laughs) in a couple of months in Nashville. Whoop, whoop. Debbie's Debbie's already
1: freaking about about what she's going to wear. Yes, I heard about that. And and in fact, I'm...
0: I think I posted on your Instagram or well, on your um, podcast's page on yeah, Instagram. there's a like, lot. Oh, my God. I'm so happening. fucking excited. Uh, I'm going to sit front row cheering y'all on. You drops. know, <laughs> if y'all start talking talk so, politics, be prepared. So it's it's going to you know, be a My ass weekend. might walk up so, and go, all right. Now book, we're talking a little bit of my language, said, you know.
1: the title is Skin in the Game, the Stories My Tattoos Tell. And, uh, <laughs> Black I t-shirt and jeans is what I'm wearing. My life story and not so. An autobiography, there's a difference between an autobiography and a memoir. Yeah, a memoir, see? this is
0: cool, focuses this is on so one cool.
1: specific time in your life, a specific time period. An autobiography is more about your whole life. I have a collection of, I don't know, something or like 40 or more tattoos. Uh, I lost count. I did not write about every single tattoo, but I wrote about the most pivotal moments and experiences and people in my life by talking about the tattoos that I got to commemorate them or to honor them. So I tell my life story through the stories behind my tattoos, basically. And each, what's that? Mm-hmm. Mm. Usually, when you when I was when I was a yeah, teenager, I worked in a tattoo shop. My, my one of my I said, best I've friends. I've always heard Joey.
0: that. Because, one you know, of my best I friends, Joey. And, I graduated high you know, school and I was, 16. you know, the body's a canvas. And one was everyone I've ever met that has been, which is pretty much everyone. my best friends, Joey, that our I met age when I was my demographic.
1: Just turning. It's 17. always like, you know, how did his you get that? His parents owned a well, tattoo shop. There's a story and behind it. There's always a story behind that tattoo, a tattoo shop. Tattoo. So he and I were close and in the same age. And he was apprenticing at his parents' tattoo shop. So I started hanging out really? and then worked at the tattoo shop doing like clerical work and you know i would do the inventory Fucking and Shelby sterilize Cooper, yeah. all the new jewelry and stuff yeah. like that and uh some people would walk into the tattoo shop and just pick something off the wall a lot of people have stories and all of my tattoos have a story it they are there to represent a significant place or person or event in my life. And I, I mean, I tell, I tell the story of losing my father when I was four years old. I talk about growing up in Flint. <laughs> I, again, I talk about my abortion at the age of 28. I talk about my friendships and, and the people that I lost When we were so young, I, I mean, I buried my first friend when I was 15 and from the ages of 15 to now at 36, something like 20 friends have passed and not like people that I like hardly knew or was an acquaintance or I went to school and I'm talking about close friends who are like family. So I, I talk about that. I talk about my, you know, I tell the story of my friend, Mark, who was killed in action in Iraq and uh, a lot of different stories and a lot of different people. I talk about my trip to El Salvador, um, some of my family history. And when, when somebody asked me, like, who is this book for? I said, this book is for anybody who has ever thought about giving up. Anybody who felt hopeless or thought that they were too far gone for redemption. Uh, because I have lived many lives in this one lifetime. And the last couple chapters in the book cover these last two years of my life where I've been battling my medical uh, issues. And keep in mind that I still don't have a diagnosis. We still don't know why my body fell apart the way it did. So even though I have a cyber spine in a way to better manage the pain. We still don't have a firm diagnosis, so I still have to go through all this exploratory shit trying to figure out what's wrong with me. Dude, I'm still trying to get over it for you. Like...
0: You know, your, um, your story kind of reminds me of my dad's story. Um, you know, everyone knows that, you know, we lost dad on new year's and I'm still trying to get over that. Um, before, yeah, that was like a, you know, before we lost dad, you know, Caden was in the hospital with this crazy rash from when he had the flu and it was just everything stacked on top of one another. And it was, it was just bad. And, You know, right before dad passed away, you know, he, he was always in a wheelchair. He's been in a wheelchair for, I think all around 10 years. And, you know, right before he passed away, he started walking again. And it's because of all this, you know, new medical stuff, you know, they started doing reverse gene therapies and everything, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm watching him walk. And I remember it was, I think, two or three days before Christmas, he walked from the car to his pastor's living room. And when he sat down, he looked at me and I, I had like a tear rolling down. He's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, you have no idea how proud I am of you because you're doing something that I thought yeah, and, you'd never, you know, be able to and, do again.
1: I don't know. All of a sudden, really it seemed like in three days,
0: he went from I, that guy. My to, dad died
1: when I was, it was three days ago. My brother David
0: was calling me saying, and saying, hey, we dad lost died. dad. And, and that, that's when single single you tell your story about, you know, what you're going through as far, your, you know, as far as and your, you as far as your medical. And when I heard you talk about your and dad
1: and you had that, it's
0: kind of like a flashback, you know, the the little memorial episode for a man that killed me because
1: he just sounded like such a, tears, such a good guy of a little a good dad. We're not you know? cry today. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I a not bit of a little bit Yeah. He, yeah, we had, we had so many differences politically. You know, he was the, you know, he was the hardcore Republican. He loved Donald Trump and me and him would get into so many arguments over all of that shit. But what he did for me from when I was young, from when I was 13, when he said, you know what, you didn't have a dad growing up. Can I be your dad? Can I be the guy because every teenage boy needs yeah. a father figure. And from that moment on, he he would tell me, you know, the only thing that separated you, you know, from being a Jordan is your last name. You have always been a part of this family. You will always be a part of this family. And, you know, that really meant the world yeah. to me seeing, you know, my best friend who became my brother in 04 after I lost my brother to cystic fibrosis. Just seeing, you know, that everything just come together. Like, you know what? Holy shit. I got a dad now. He's not Mr. Mike. He's dad. And from that moment on and watching him interact with Caden and treating Caden, like, you know what, That's my grandchild. You know, he, he was just, he, you know, no one's perfect, oh God. but he was the perfect dad for me. And that's what I will always remember about him is he was my dad. Well, you know, I I got to be a part of that and Well Yeah, that memori I, I you know, was really funny story by about it. that memorial episode. So I know we're kinda of going I a little bit over time, but in, that, the funny story like, about kind of that memorial episode was up the first book. take I,
1: I tell, cried throughout I, the whole I thing. have a
0: uh, and a portrait of my dad tattooed on my arm. From, when, so he from when he was in the Navy, but it's not just from when he was in the Navy, it's
1: from when he was arrested while so he was in the Navy. So I had to go Navy back.
0: So what you're listening is the second take of that, that segment. So with me you know, <clears> holding everything in. You I know? tell
1: the story of being a 22-year-old trying to find out more about her dad and calling the Kentucky Department of Corrections and asking for records and information and finding all these things out and getting this, this picture of my dad. So it's there's a lot, but i I say Go that Navy. it's a book about survival, human connection, false steps, and ascension because it's never too too late and one of my readers that did a review of the book she said that my book twists the genre of an autobiography on its head because because it's, it's very postmodern in that I write a lot like I talk. So I'm telling these stories, these deep, dark secrets and, and pivotal moments and critical moments in my life. And it's like, I'm talking to my best friend. So she's, you know, in the review that she wrote, she said, it's like, you have an inside view into this person's life. And, uh, and, It's a reminder that everything will be okay. Mm. (laughs) I know and I can't wait to see you. Every time Steve gets the scotch in him he says her name wrong.
0: Well, I know I am very excited for you. I mean, you know, <laughs> you've you've become like this really cool, you know, podcast host and now, you know, you you went from that to, you know, you're one of like a sister to me and you know, it every is. time I hear you know, after every time I hear all this cool shit happening with you and with Bobby, I mean, Debbie Joe shit. Um, I, <laughs> but I still can't believe it. Yeah. It's, it's always uh Bobby Joe. Um, every time I, <laughs> you know, get on Instagram or get on Twitter or, you know, y'all start blowing up my phone. Um, I'm like, you know what? I am so excited to see everything that y'all have worked your asses for. It's all coming together yeah, now. So and when I you announced that y'all were going to be to check out my book, presenting at PodX there, in Nashville. There are
1: pre sales up on my I website was like, oh, right this now. Is gonna be great. I Just oh today, God, you know, before I felt like I was literally I was excited two hours like, you know, before we, we sat said down to me report, and political thoughts, was Me I and, and Steve were going to be, you know, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool because, you know, so. My friends, I my officially hit the there. buttons, so now everything's in production, and I'm supposed to get a delivery of 100 books and they're getting uh, in mid- April. And
0: with your book coming and out
1: on June 1st, it's just so much exciting! It stuff will officially hit. Right like there will, be, if you go to my website, nerdzilla kelly dot com. Nerdzilla is like Godzilla, but nerd. <laughs> nerdzilla dot com, and it and uh. I don't spell my name any kind of weird way. It's just the old fashioned oh, Irish Kelly. It's K-E-L-O-Y. So if you go to nerdzilla slash book, you can pre-order a copy of my book and you'll get it straight from me. I'll mail it to you in April. Uh otherwise <laughs> at PodX. <clears throat> <laughs> Well, and and on June first, it goes global. So, it will be an ebook and print book on Amazon, Kindle, uh, iBooks. I mean, Barnes and Noble. Every every fucking where.
0: So, I need you to sign on. By the way. <laughs> yes please. you're gonna see stephen goff pop up you're gonna go that asshole too asshole
1: <laughs> Well, and i wrote it all while i was like laid up on the couch immobile too that's that's the thing is like i could have given up and accepted that i was quote unquote medically disabled and then i you know they they treat you like you no longer have a contribution so to make to the world anymore what I did I started a the podcast and, and I wrote you know, a fucking y'all book you so,
0: take a picture and <clears> because so, I really want to see and then
1: if you want everyone if you guys get this want book, to because I know you've all your ass off at podox and, and watch Steven go crazy in the audience if you go to podox.com <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you go, if you buy your ticket for Podex, go to PodX.com dot <laughs> com and put in the promo code Happy, and you'll get ten percent off. And, uh, and you can come see us perform live. And there's gonna be a lot of other cool mm. podcasts. There's there's gonna be like Seeing Red, uh-huh. uh, True Crime Obsessed.
0: I'm going. to uh, I'm going crime to have junkie, my scotch like, in a bag. I'm gonna, you remember those bags uh, that have like, the, the, the I straws attached to them? Different... I'm going to have one of those, but just full of freaking scotch.
1: Some, I don't, some, there are some other Lady Pod Squad people who are performing. Uh, Honesty Check is attending. They're not performing, but they're attending. So there's going to be a lot of cool people there. Oh, Uh, Have you met my co-host Debbie Jill (laughs) She's Mm going to make us pose For every picture imaginable Under the sun Oh yeah I think a
0: couple of pods in our network Is going to be there also Um, Yeah (laughs) Yeah There's going to be a lot of pictures taken I guarantee that
1: It's so expensive And it's not what it's cracked
0: up to be It's just (laughs) too many We We and, you know, we've, we've got to do dinner, you know, Look, while we're in Nashville. There's this is, so many if you're gonna run for places office, in the hell, you live in Nashville. Run for I office in Nashville, live up in Nashville and get them to talk every to every a fucking to urban planner families, like, oh, once in a while. we're going to Nashville because this weekend. This, weekend. like, we need to go in and All this, this building new
1: buildings um, is, like, <laughs> nice and all. And I think you I've you said it like a million times. I am
0: moving to
1: Nashville.
0: Nobody can get dummies. Yeah, but... I think, I think what sold me, my cousin lives in Nashville. He's a vice president of some communications company. He said, Uh, you know what? We have less than 1% unemployment. I was like, stop. You sold me at less than 1%. And
1: Twitter, Nerdzilla Kelly. You can check out the podcast at anonmomhappyhour.com. Yeah, right. And that will connect you (laughs) to all of the, the things. We are also on Twitter and Instagram. Debbie runs the Instagram and I run the Twitter. Freaking so
0: so uh real quick, how can my <laughs> so, viewers find you?
1: It's funny because we're both sassy but in different ways. So if you want to experience both of our personalities, you really have to follow both. Uh because we we split up the duties. But yeah, Twitter it, because of the character limit, it's it's just non-mom happy hour on twitter but on instagram it's a non-mom happy hour and where like
0: what platforms uh, thank are y'all... you so
1: much for letting me come hang out
0: yes yeah, she, she blows up my instagram every time i get on there yeah i love you Indeed. Sweet. So, Kelly, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Um, we can't wait to read your new book and to hear your new episodes. Um, so thank you so much for coming and everything. We love you. You know, you're always in our thoughts and everything. And um, political nurse, st- stay tuned. I will be right back with final thoughts with Steve in just a second.
2: Hello, listeners. This is Kelly Nerdzilla Mendenhall, co-host of the podcast, A Non-Mom Happy Hour, and I am hopping on to tell you about my book, Skin in the Game, The Stories My Tattoos Tell, is my debut as an author. In the book, I tell of the significant events and pivotal moments of my life by recounting the stories behind my eclectic collection of tattoos. When asked about my intended audience... I like to say that this book is written for anyone who's ever thought of giving up, anyone needing the inspiration to keep on fighting, and anyone who fears that they may be too far gone for redemption. Mine is a new take on the genre of autobiographies, with full-color photos of my tattoos and other illustrations accompanying each chapter my pivotal life moments and the resulting lessons immortalized in my tattoos are captured with these full-color photographs alongside the moving text. Throughout the book, the reader witnesses my navigation and survival of life's most harrowing moments, the death of my father at the age of four years old, the physical and sexual abuse I endured as an adolescent, the gut-wrenching loss of friends who died too soon, my abortion at age 28, and my journey to solve the mystery of the sudden onset of debilitating chronic pain and loss of mobility at the age of 35. The CDC reports that 4.4% of adults ages 25 to 44 experience high-impact chronic pain in the U.S. Women are actually more likely to experience high-impact chronic pain than men. Approximately 8.9% of adult women experiencing acute Chronic pain compared to approximately 7% of men. Further, patients like myself experiencing acute chronic pain are more likely to experience depression and anxiety, loss of mobility, and loss of quality of life. I like to say that I am a recovering nonprofit professional forced to reconnect with my former, more creative self to survive. I wrote this book entirely from what I playfully but genuinely refer to as my business couch. In June 2017, my legs fell out from under me, literally and figuratively, and life as I knew it was over. This book is my way of turning my mess into a message. If I can help even one person survive the demented carousel that is the American Medical Complex, help one person feel less alienated and hopeless— my book will have served its purpose. If you'd like to know more about me and my journey, the book itself, or some of my other business ventures, you can go to www.nerdzillakelly.com book. That's nerdzillakelly.com book. Nerdzilla is spelled exactly how you imagine it, just like Godzilla, except for nerdzilla on the front nerdzilla kelly k-e-l-l-y dot com slash book and i really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to my little blurb and visit my website pre-sales are up right now print and ebook distribution launches on june 1st of 2019 thank you
0: and welcome back so this is everyone's favorite segment including mine this is final thoughts of steve where we can just have a chill conversation just chill out from the episode and try to get our blood pressure down and everything which your blood pressure shouldn't be up that high um since uh our interview with kelly middle um thank you so much kelly for coming on our show um we cannot wait to read your book and talk to you again um so, as everyone knows, especially in the political world, um you know there was some shit that happened in the last uh week, week and a half with the um mass shooting that happened in New Zealand, which is a beautiful country, by the way. If any of y'all have a chance to go to New Zealand, I strongly, strongly recommend that y'all go to New Zealand and check out New Zealand. It is a beautiful country, but there was a tragedy that. Hit New Zealand a couple of weeks ago when a mass shooter went into a place of worship and just started opening fire and killing a lot of people. And, you know, it it goes back to a lot of different conversations that we've all had about how crazy our world is and how divided we still are. Um, You know, if you talk to people in the United States, um, you know, they'll tell you that our country is probably more divided now than what it was eight years ago under President Obama. And I, I believe that. I really do believe that. I believe that the administration that is currently in power right now has done anything and everything to tear us apart. And we just need to come back together. But when that tragedy happened in New Zealand it really does hit home for all of us because it seems like every other week or at least once a month there's you know a, a mass shooting somewhere in the United States and you know just a lot of death and a lot of sorrow and it goes back to the original conversations where we need to do whatever we can to end this madness that is just engulfing our culture in general all over the world. Now we can't stop violence. We cannot stop violence. Violence is going to hit our hometowns. It's going to hit our streets regardless if we continue to be nice or not, there's just evil people in the world and we just need to accept that. However, we as decent human beings can create an environment to just let people know if they're going through any kind of problems, they can come to us to talk. I mean, most of us don't have degrees in psychology. I know I don't. But it does not take a degree in psychology just to be a good listener or to be a good friend. And a lot of people right now are struggling and a lot of people just need a friend. And to all my listeners who think that they're alone, I promise you are not alone. I once thought that I was alone when I was going through. My depression and my anxiety, you know, especially after my divorce and leaving the military. I mean, it was a really rough road, but um, I had a lot of amazing people in my life that showed that support. And it's because of them why I'm here today. It's because of my son why I'm here today. But it's because of people that were, you know, just want to be good friends and just listen. They helped through that whole process. So to everyone out there that is struggling, I promise it gets better. It's, you know, it may not get better today. It may not get better tomorrow or next week or next month. But eventually it's going to get better. And when it gets better, you're going to feel better. But while you're going through this struggle, surround yourself with positive people. Just surround yourself with positive people, people who look at the bright side of life. Um, And yeah, it gets annoying. Let me tell you, it does get annoying when you have people that are very positive and you're just not a positive person at the moment. But I promise everything does get better. For the people in New Zealand, which we have listeners from New Zealand, um, Anchor actually came out with a new update on its dashboard. It shows us the different countries that people listen from. And New Zealand popped up. Actually, 2% of our listeners come in from New Zealand. So um, to all of our listeners in New Zealand, we love you. We are thinking about you. and you know we are here for all of you we need to understand that this just isn't an issue for new zealand or an issue for other countries around the world this is a this is a human issue and we need we need to develop that compassion to look at our fellow human beings and you know tell them that we're grieving with you We're with you and we are going to come together as human beings to make life better. So my last message for this week to all of my amazing political nerds out there is to be better. I hate that be best shit. It just doesn't sound right. I'm always about being better. We need to be better human beings. So to all of my political nerds, just be better be better to each other, show simple acts of kindness. It does not cost nothing to be kind in today's world, and there's a lot of people that can use that kindness. So, this week I want everyone to just do one simple thing. Just one simple act of kindness and I promise it will go a long way. So, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. To everyone who has went to Twitter and Given our page a follow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We are almost at 2,000 followers. And right now we are continuing that journey on to 10,000 followers for this year. So if you haven't liked our show yet, go to twitter.com slash official P T W S T E V and click that follow button. We will follow back. Um, Also tickets have been purchased for pod X in Nashville, I think I said, said this with uh, Kelly in the last segment, but I'm going to say it again because we're excited. PodX is this huge podcast convention in Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville is like a second home for us. We are always in Nashville for something. We have a lot of family that live in Nashville, and I just love Nashville. Eventually, I'm going to move to Nashville, Um, but – we have bought our um, we have bought our podcast passes for PODX in Nashville. The dates is Mar- or May thirty first through June second. We are excited about going, and we will have merch. We are going to have merchandise, so we will definitely have some t shirts on us. So come and uh, introduce yourselves. Let us know that you are a listener to our show and everything, and we will definitely hook you up with some free shit. Um, also, we are starting a Instagram page. Um, I think I said that last or yeah, last week, but we are starting a Instagram page. So that would be up towards the end of this week. So we're looking very forward to that. Um, yeah, I think I think that's all the uh, the announcements for this week. So go and tell a veteran that you love them. Thank a service member. Thank a member of. Or one of our men and women, our first responders, everyone who have dedicated their lives to public, to the public. You know, go tell them that you love them, that you support them and everything. To our veterans, we love you, we support you. Thank you so much for everything that you've done to our service members. You are always in our prayers. Thank you so much for what you do. And that will do it for this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. Remember to go to Go to twitter.com slash official P-T-W-S-T-E-V and give our Twitter page a like. And make sure that you go to podx.com. That's podx.com and purchase your tickets. They do have weekend passes available in Nashville. Get your tickets and come to Nashville and say hello to us. It's going to be a fantastic weekend. We cannot wait to see all of our our podcast family in Nashville. We are so excited about this trip and we are also going to do some live shows from Nashville. So we are looking forward to that. So that will do it for this week's episode of political thoughts with Steve. We will see and talk to everybody next week, right here on political thoughts with Steve. See you next week.